This morning's scripture reading comes from the book of John, chapter 14, verses 1 through 4. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning, church. And welcome to those online. Thank you for joining with us here today as we continue to celebrate the Lord and what he's done in our life. Uh, for those that are joining on or watching this at a later time, it's been a, a somber service today, of course, because we're remembering those lives of those that have passed on before us, those people in our church that passed away this last year. And so we've celebrated their lives, which is also why you see the candles that are lit here today. Before we uh, begin our sermon here today, let's pray together. Lord, may the words of my mouth the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, the Lord our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, as we gather today on this All Saints Day, it's good to remember why we're here. To remember this day, and as I know, as these candles were lit, I've been looking at them and remembering each and every life that they represent, thinking about the ways in which I laughed with them, cried with them, in which the times that they maybe were given bad news or their families were as well those opportunities to be in life with them. And of course, as we're here today, we not only remember their life, but celebrate the great hope that is found in Christ. As we're here today, I wanted to share with you these words that are found in John chapter 14. Now, I've been with you now, believe it or not, this is my fifth year that I'm going on. Uh, it's hard to imagine that because of COVID and all that, but I've been here actually a decent amount of time. And uh, at the end of June will be five years. And so as your pastor, and of course, I've Served about 13 years now. I'm going on 13th year, that is. Well, that means I'm unlucky. This was, maybe if something goes wrong, that was just an unlucky year or something like that. But uh, the reason why I share that is because I have gotten to do a number of funerals over the time, and including even in this church. I, uh, I of course, know exactly uh, who they are. I keep a, a running list, but I actually have never counted them because it just seems like a number that I wouldn't want to know. But there's a number of them, right? I've done this a time or two, so to speak, and to get up to grieve with families as they lose their loved ones, and to open up the scriptures and to find hope that Jesus promises, even in the midst of great darkness that's ever present before us. And as far as I can remember in each of my notes, this scripture has always been read, including even those, sermon, or those scriptures that I was just helping and assisting with the service. This scripture was read because it is the promise of Jesus and it's a very tender promise at a very tender time in his ministry that he shares these words. If you recall, this is John chapter 14, which at this point in the story of the Gospel of John, Jesus has gathered his disciples. He's about to go celebrate the Last Supper with them. He's about to be betrayed, of course, and then, of course, be arrested and flogged, killed and crucified on that hill. He knows all this. He's told them it's coming. He's predicted his, his death many times at this point, up at least three times with his disciples, yet they still don't seem to understand. And he's gathered them together in this upper room, and he has gathered with them, and he tells them these words. 
He not only predicts their denials again, such as Peter, and he looks at Peter and tells him these things. He talks about being betrayed. He talks about how, you know what, in these days to come, they're going to treat you just like me. In other words, they're going to kick you out of the synagogue. And he tells them they're going to come after you and try to kill you. He looks at his disciples, those gathered, these men that have gathered and come and lost their whole life to follow Jesus. And he offers them these words of comfort. Which, of course, if you think of the irony in the moment of what's about to happen, the fact that he stops and gives words of comfort, it's truly unique. These are tender words. They're words like when you know a loved one is about to pass away and they share with you some final words to you almost on that bedside as you hold their hand and look into their eyes. And they share with you words. These are Jesus' words that he shared with his disciples to comfort them and to keep them. And he says to them in the scripture once again, he said, he starts off with, do not let your hearts be troubled. I don't know of any person in all of history that could tell that to somebody except Jesus. Anybody in history who's about to go and be crucified and to have all these horrible things happen and to even tell his disciples, hey, they're going to come at you. You're going to be persecuted and life is going to be rough. And yet Jesus stands before his disciples and tells them these words. And in fact, they were so meaningful that John the disciple records it in his gospel as he remembers this story and acting. He remembers these words of Jesus because even in the midst of what happened, John must have felt that they brought hope and so he remembers these words, do not let your hearts be troubled, trust in God, trust also in me. Now if you go and read on in this chapter a little bit later, John's, or Jesus, that is, is going to talk about how he and the Father are one, Father's in him, and he's in the Father, and so don't separate these two too much, but nonetheless there's a trust in God, but there's also a trust in the very work of Jesus Christ, what Jesus was about to do. He's telling his disciples, hey, I'm about to endure, but trust in me for what's about to come. He tells this story, and to understand this little analogy that he gives, it's important to understand how people were married back in the day. And what I mean by that is when you uh, were betrothed to someone, say you were the man, how what you would do, of course, is you would go, you would, your family would set up the whole betrothal and all this stuff, and there'd be a planned date for a big wedding feast, but none of that could take place until you came to, a lot of times it was your parent, your, your patriarch's house, if you will, and you actually, in their kind of landlocked area, you built your dwelling place. Right? And so the idea was, is once the dwelling place was ready, then you could get everybody, let the whole town know, everybody that you're going to invite, and get all the wine ready and all the celebration food and everything together. And you would ride off, basically, like a big rider on your horse, if you will, or your mule or whatever you had, and go uh, pick up the bride and bring them literally back to the place that you had created for them. And in that moment, there was the great celebration and the great feast that lasted for days, right? And they celebrated the union and the marriage for days. Now knowing that backdrop, here are the words that Jesus says to his disciples and ultimately to anyone who would follow him. He says, In my Father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would not, I would have, would not tell you this, but I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, you may also be where I am and know, and you know the way place, or the, you know the way to the place where I am going. And of course, Jesus tells us that He is the way, the truth, and the life. 
And I find it interesting because the hope that Jesus offers in this moment is not, hey, guess what? I'm going to shield you from all the bad stuff that's going to happen. His hope is not, hey, if you pray for me just enough, all the bad stuff that's about to happen to me won't happen. He doesn't pray for any of that. He doesn't tell any of those words of comfort. The words of comfort are not found in this life, but in life yet to come. And Jesus promises that there's going to be an earthly heaven, if you will, and when our eyes shut, if we trust in him on that, this, this, this way that we will live even though we die. And in fact, if you keep on reading, he says those words, that even whoever trusts in me, even though they die, they will yet live. You see, the hope that we have today is that this world is not it. That the trials, the tribulations, the hurt that we go through, this isn't it. This is but just the beginning chapter of a great, long book. And yet Jesus tells his disciples, those who would follow him, trust in me. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And of course, through his shedding of the blood, he shared for us love that is unconditional love and grace that abounds, that's a free to all, for any who would come and proclaim and put their trust in Jesus Christ. When I look at these candles, I know that at the end of the service, we're going to snuff them out, or at least I hope you do before you take them home. It's dangerous if you don't. But we're going to snuff out, right? And these candles are going to cease on this side to be lit. The great hope that they live on. And as crazy as it sounds, when Jesus says, hey, this earth is going to be rough, yet he offers peace because we trust in him. He offers hope because we trust in him. He offers life in the midst of whatever circumstances we go through because we trust in him. We suddenly know it's true. In a way that's indescribable, when the Holy Spirit works in our life and we trust in Jesus, we know that this earth isn't his. So church, as we're here today, first of all, three things. Number one, be filled with hope. Even in the midst of crying and mourning, church, be filled with hope. Because this earth ain't it. If you got troubles, it ain't it. If you're going through hard times, it's not it. There's a bigger story at work in each of our lives that's eternal. With the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and the communion with the saints surrounding us. Be heartened here today. Be encouraged and do not be troubled. Second thing is, is once again, consider all that this world cherishes. is nothing to be desired. Christ is enough for us here and in this moment. There's nothing in this earth that we need more than just Jesus' presence in our life. And he promises that if we hold on to him, be fulfilled here today. You don't need anything else. Jesus is enough. And the third thing is this. Not only be filled with hope, be filled with love. When Jesus said these words, he knew he'd be betrayed. He knew that Peter would disown him. He knew his disciples would abandon him. Yet as he remembered these words, he tells him these words. 
He loved them to the very end. And then rose again and gave him life. Love each other. Love those at your workplace. Love those that you come in contact with. If you're estranged from family, reach out and love them as best you can. If you have someone that has something against you, go. Be reconciled with them as best as you can to your ability to love them, even when they don't deserve it. Because the kingdom is made of such love. Let us pray. God, as we're here today, we thank you so much for these words that bring us hope, that bring us peace. That God, this world is not it, and that Lord, there's a heavenly union that goes on beyond this earth. And that when our mortal bodies, that is, shall fail and cease, one day there'll be the resurrection in which, God, we will be with you. What is we here today? We come to your table. And part of what we remember here today is that great communion that's always with us, that, Lord, you promised us to not only be with us, but that you send the Holy Spirit. So, God, as we take communion here today, we remember once again that your Spirit is with us, that you did not leave us as orphans, but you're constantly with us, guiding us, uniting us, and bringing us towards the Father. God, we remember that this feast is one, but it's symbolic of just the eternal union with you. So God, we remember that on the night which you gave yourself up for us, you took bread, you broke the bread, and you gave it to your disciples. You said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, you took the cup, gave thanks to the Lord, and gave it to your disciples and said, drink from this, all of you. This is the cup of my new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. As often as you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. And so, Lord, as we come to your table, we come not of our own accord, but because of your love and your mercy. Because, God, you came to find people who were wayward and lost and to bring them into God's fold. And so as we hear, we pray upon these elements. May they be the body and blood for us as we become the body of Christ, united with you. We pray, Lord, that not only would these be the body of Christ, but you would use us to build your kingdom. And for all those saints that have gone on before us, may we feel that even their presence now. Because, Lord, your promises are eternal. So, Lord, give us hope and peace as we unite with you once again. Amen.